Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Inside College Admissions. My name is Megan Kaufman, and I'm the Senior Product Marketing Manager at SCORE. Today, we are joined by Nicole Villajas Reyes, Assistant Dean of Admission at Bates College in Lewiston, Maine. We are going to have a conversation about the concept of student Zoom fatigue and how that does or doesn't play into student engagement when it comes to virtual recruitment. But before we dive in, I'd like to give you some background on Nicole. Nicole started in admissions while a first-generation undergraduate student at Mount Holyoke College while working as a Harriet Newhall Fellow in the Office of Admissions. She has since worked at the University of Southern Maine and now at Bates College, where she helps guide students through the college search process. Welcome, Nicole. Thanks, Megan, for having me here today. In a recent product workshop where we were talking about virtual recruitment, you made a comment that really stuck with me. You said, students may not have Zoom fatigue. Your content may be boring. Could you elaborate on that further? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me, this is an area that I spent a lot of time thinking about it. And I think we underestimate students' ability and, and capacity here. Because what are students doing and what are most of us doing after we log off from our virtual day at work? I mean, I know here, I'm about to log off at the end of this hour and I'm probably gonna watch TV, right? We're likely gonna set up in front of a different screen, be it a phone, a computer. And also what's the go-to activity when you're bored in a meeting? You're probably maybe guilty of scrolling through social media on your phone. So I don't think it's so much the screen that is this fatigue, right? I think almost as soon as admissions made this switch to virtual recruiting, Zoom fatigue popped up as this big buzzword. I saw so many webinars for, you know, are you struggling with engaging your students virtually? Come join us and we'll talk to you all about it now. So I think in this kind of question, we need to parse out, what do we mean by Zoom? Is it screen fatigue? Because that one is where I think I don't buy into that so much. Or is it being tired of performing on a screen after a full day of classes? That I totally get. I am fully, like I've been in day long meetings where afterwards I'm just so tired of like having been on camera all day long. Um, so that's just where I struggle with the idea of Zoom fatigue is that students we're working with, they're Gen Z, and they have a very different relationship with technology and screens than many others. Um, like being in front of a screen is not inherently boring to these students in the same way that it might be for some of us. Like what I think about is that my younger brother and other teens that I know, they're not watching TV anymore either. They're watching YouTubers, they're watching Twitch streamers. How are those platforms any different than our live or recorded virtual content? To me, they're not. It's the content itself that's the difference, right? It's the presentation. And so I think, you know, students, and I think I heard it from you all first in the SCORE workbook, they want to see bite-sized, quickly, and easily digestible information. And that should be at the forefront of what we're doing. So I think that's where I came from in saying your content might be boring because it's not the screen that's turning these students away. That makes so much sense. And, you know, we talk about this eight second attention span with these students, but really it's an eight second filter. Is the content interesting? Do they want to continue consuming it or are they going to move on or disengage and do these alternate things like look at social media while they're listening to an admissions presentation? Early in the pandemic, a lot of institutions copied exactly what they did for on-campus events and presented it virtually. Some schools realized the uniqueness of virtual events and what worked in person didn't necessarily work online. When slash how did you realize it was time to try something different at Bates? I think for us, it was pretty much immediately. 
In June, we were running our virtual version of our junior open house programming. And that was one where we were told the events team, all right, put on this event virtually. And we just went to what was the schedule for last year? And how can we distill those same events into a virtual platform? And we realized pretty much that week as we were holding the events, it was not working. We were not seeing the same sort of engagement and we realized we could not recycle that same programming, but just make it virtually. So since then we've had post-event surveys that go out to every single student and that helps us just further tweak our offerings and make sure are we meeting students where they are and particularly are we meeting them where they are in the funnel and in the point of their search. Yeah, we're seeing that again and again. It's really, it is a whole different animal engaging online and they're looking for opportunities to engage. Watching a presentation and engaging are two very different things. And I think that's a fantastic opportunity there to survey the students and ask, what is it that they want to learn about the college? I recently read an article entitled A Neurophysiological Exploration of Zoom Fatigue by Dr. Jenna Lee of the UCLA David Geffen School of Medicine and the UCLA Mattel Children's Hospital. Dr. Lee talked about how one of the problems with video conferencing is that it has a lower perceived reward psychologically than in-person social interaction. How have you tried to increase engagement or add a social element to your virtual interactions with students? Something that I've thought about is we kind of completely forgot about the perspective to perspective student connection that was happening. Like for me, going back to my college search process, I was being flown out to visit schools. When I visited Mount Holyoke, the person I connected with the most was the prospective student who was being hosted in the same room with me. And the way that we could talk about our journey and our college search together was a pivotal point of my like decision-making process. So I think adding in the social element We've learned the value of a webinar versus a meeting, right? A webinar has its place if you wanted to feel more lecture, like just kind of be presenting this information or have the focal point be on the presenters. But a meeting can be really great where you can just see the faces and just have students interacting with each other. So we do have some icebreaker questions that we do in a webinar setting where you can raise your hand and we just get a sense of, you know, who's in the room and let's ask a fun question. Let's not just dive straight into feeding you information right off the bat. And I think a great example of how to add a social element to this is we had our diversity fly-in program, which typically would bring a cohort of students to our campus, but obviously we're not able to do that for this year. So for this past year, we still brought in a group of students and it was a week long of sessions, which going into it, I will say I had my own reservations thinking like, how are we going to keep students logging back on day after day for a week to be meeting with just us? And what kept them coming back was the other students. In those meetings, we held an icebreaker session hosted by our students. And there was a frenzy of chat happening. Like students were just typing in the chat, talking to each other. They were commenting on things. Um, there's a whole like world that exists now, I think, within these students of how they communicate virtually. So not only are they talking out loud in this meeting, but they're having the side chat in the bottom chat. And they all connected after that in their own, I think they did like a Google group together to keep up that connections after they had this event that was really about getting to know Bates, but they also got to know each other in that way. So I think we really learned to value and realize the value of having prospective students connect with each other. So I think that was one where we came back after a session one day 
and the students had all stayed on. I think the session last night had ended at, I want to say 9 p.m. And they stayed on after that until like midnight playing games with each other. They're like, let's take this offline. They were playing games together, right? And that's social engagement that's happening virtually and that has grown organically out of the connections that we help them make in our meeting. That's incredible to hear. And what we're hearing from our other college partners as well, that student-to-student engagement is is so critical in that decision-making process. What we often hear is the prospective student-to-current student engagement piece. But to your point, that prospective student to prospective student answering the question, not just will I fit in with the institution, but will I fit in with the other students of my cohort is is so important. Beyond that prospective student to prospective student engagement, what content have you found to be most engaging virtually with prospective students? I think for us, it's anything that, to go to your point, features our current students. Our most popular events by far, they max out on registration every single time we host them is our student panels. And these are panels that we have and we have our students moderate. There's no staff member, it's just students. And we really encourage the registrants to also be just students, not your family, just come on your own and have that connection and have the ability to ask questions. I know that those are events where a lot of the advice that is given around Zoom fatigue is make it a shorter event. Those are ones where we actually see them running over. I think we had one that ran an hour and a half because students were sending in that many questions. So I think that's when we see they love to engage with our current students. And then going back to our fly-in program that we talked about. So we had a student club on campus that's a hip-hop dance group. And they came on one of those sessions to teach all of our guests a short TikTok dance that had been really popular at the moment. And that was by far an incredibly engaging experience. Like we had students who they were emailing us. They're like, I'm gonna have to send them this video when I apply. Like this video is now like a huge part of my search. And that's something that, you know, for me, I think sometimes admissions get stuck in this whole of like really working in silos. Like not only are we sort of working individually on our campus, but also individually from other admissions offices everyone's struggling with this question of how do you engage virtually? You know, like faculty and staff in the college with our current students are feeling the same thing. So let's not work in those silos. Let's figure out how have clubs been able to meet virtually and have it feel engaging. If they're teaching these fun TikTok dances to each other, then have that be something that you bring in your prospective students in as well. I love that concept. It really takes engagement to the next level, not just what is the content you're presenting, but how how does that network extend beyond the, the physical event, but also across the campus, to your point about faculty. Something I experienced a lot working in higher ed was there was this mindset that perspective students are always the same. The students of today were the same as the students five years ago, which is absolutely not the case. And we're seeing, particularly with the pandemic, how rapidly the concerns of the students are changing, how rapidly the interests of, you think about Tiger King was so popular at the beginning of the pandemic, and now no one talks about it. How frequently do you update your event content, taking into consideration this idea that student interests are changing so quickly on on a magnitude we haven't seen before? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think that is a huge sticking point for us on how do you update things. I think to your idea of like in admissions, there's this conception of students are always the same. And there's also a sense of once you have the wheel rolling, once you're at the start of your cycle with applications coming and then you move into yield, that's not the time to change things up. So I would say that it's kind of an uphill battle. I think that we do have in our office, but typically we would do it at the start of a cycle. So for example, if we're about to go into yield season, which we're gearing up for that right now, we start planning that event content, which I do kind of like that built-in break that happens sort of organically between um, recruiting, traveling, reading applications, and then yielding that gives you a moment to reflect and say, okay, what's worked for us in the past? What's working and what can we change? What can we revamp moving forward? And I think for us, what we are really interested in is in having our current students lead the planning efforts for yield. We're piloting that right now where we're just having students brainstorm and say, you know, you're the real experts in this because you know you're closest to them in age. You're closest to these students in your search process. What did you really care to know about? Because I think also to your point of these are not the same students that we had looking at colleges 50 years ago. What they care about is different. Just like Tiger King, all of these trends that go in and out. I think students now, they're not so much coming and asking me, how does your school rank on the like ranking list. Yeah. Can you tell me like how rigorous your school is? They care about, do I fit in? Do I have a place? Do I have friends? Do I have a community? What does it look like for me to belong at your school? And it's, it feels like to me, it's become a more personalized process and less so about like the perception of how you will be perceived attending this college. Um, so for us using our students to highlight, you know, these are your classmates. How do you want to connect with your classmates right now? Because when you're building those connections, that's that's what's going to lead to someone saying, yeah, I want to go to the school. That makes so much sense. And at SCORE, we're looking at helping students answer the questions, can I get in, will I fit in, and can I afford it? And to your point, again, those, those student-to-student interactions are really the best way to answer the question, will I fit in, even more so in a virtual environment whether where they're not on campus really experiencing the quote unquote vibe of, of what student life is like there. Going back to this specific Zoom fatigue component that as we're doing these virtual engagements, a few of the tips I read related to combating Zoom fatigue were to let students keep their cameras off, keep sessions short, which we've talked about again in messaging, as well as with the events, provide time for breaks for longer sessions, avoid multitasking, which we know is hard, especially when content is boring, and providing an agenda in advance so students know exactly what they're getting into. Do you employ any of these tactics? And if so, which of these have you found most valuable with your events? I think definitely the duration, keeping it short, and just the communication you have leading up to it, making sure that someone knows what they're going into. Because my earlier comment about, is it screen fatigue or is it like the performance fatigue? Because I think for me, if I know, oh, I've signed up for this webinar, because I signed up for so many webinars, we all are guilty of signing up for webinars that we don't attend, because it comes to the day of, and I'm looking and I'm feeling like, well, well, 
am I going to be on camera? Like, am I having to talk to strangers right now? Like, if you know what to expect going into it, I think it sort of increases your sense of going back to that earlier question. What is the reward? What exactly are you getting out of it? What's the cost? What are you having to sort of give up in that moment for yourself? And what's the reward? I think uh, this is something that we've done a lot in our meetings internally. And I think I'd like to start doing more with our student facing events, but we take a moment at the beginning of our meeting to ground in, like just the simple process of like uncross your legs, turn off your camera and take a moment to just like clear your mind. Cause I think that's been a big challenge. And I'm sure these students experience it too of where you just are sitting in the same spot the whole day. Your screen is changing because you're doing uh, your class and then you're turning that off and then you're logging on to your uh, info session for the college that you're searching on and then you're turning that off and you're doing something else. Just something will be able to switch your mindset so that you aren't tempted to multitask, so that you know you can acknowledge what you have going on in that moment. You maybe have something big to do after this is done, but in that moment, your attention is there in that meeting. Definitely keeping cameras off. That's something that um, I do a lot with the meetings that I hold with students is saying, like, hey, if this is a big meeting, I think what they've said, meetings that are more than three or four people you really are not going to be able to be making eye contact or really be seeing anyone more than that. So I've said, you know, if meeting is more than 15 of us, don't feel like you have to have your camera on. You don't feel like you have to have that performance aspect of being on Zoom, but more so that you're listening there. And that's the thing that I think you have to have some trust in some of these techniques. It has to be okay that you're not seeing them. I think that's something that was challenging at the beginning. Uh, when we went virtual for some of my colleagues was, well, how will we know they're paying attention? You just have to trust that they are. Agendas, absolutely. If it's multiple days of events, if you're having them choose from multiple offerings, I think agendas are a huge benefit to that. You know, to avoid multitasking, I would just say like, have it be something that is either engaging or that you're really highlighting when you're making a transition. Make it clear that at this point, we're going to be talking about housing. Or at this point, we're talking about study abroad. Like if you know that there's a topic that people always perk up about or they always ask about, then that's something that you should highlight when you're making those transitions as well in your presentation. I'm someone who strays away from relying too much on PowerPoints because it's a story. A story is going to be the most engaging. So if you focus your presentations more on like a storytelling and, and you're bringing them in and you're weaving them in as part of the story, that I think maybe gathers their attention a little bit more. I love that idea that you you started with looking at almost a mini meditation to start things out to really ground people and help them be present in the moment. And then again, looking at how, how can you capture their attention again, because it's not just capturing their attention at the beginning of the event, it's all throughout the event, be, because we know even the most engaging content there's an opportunity to just do one quick scroll of TikTok and that one quick scroll becomes a few minutes. And how do you re-engage them and build in time to do that within the broader presentation? Love that. Well, that's all really insightful information for colleges to consider, especially as they begin to prepare for the future of virtual events. That's both for yield season and looking ahead to the junior class as they start doing these virtual events, uh, looking at next year. 
That concludes our conversation with Nicole today. Thank you so, so much for joining us, Nicole. And we appreciate all of our listeners as well. We look forward to chatting with you again soon. 